0: Blue skies cool. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything, and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure, wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's
1: another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, the first one on video. I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but uh, um, who what the favorite? fuck are you, and what do you do? Uh, I'm a nobody. Yeah, well, you know, aren't we I'm all somebody in know. one way or another? Whoa, whoa, cheers. Oh. Cheers, fucker. Yeah. Nice, nice.
0: <laughs> cheers. Cheers. All right. Hmm. So come on, who are you? Uh, my name is David Jr. Ludwig. You're junior? Uh, I'm junior. You are not what I expected. I, yeah, people can actually see us now, huh? Or I'm, I'm going to lose a lot a of subscribers, subscribers on that. <laughs> or maybe you'll gain some.
1: No, you never I know. I if the
0: subscriber starts down, you can always go back to your old school and start, yeah, and start no, taking some I, off.
1: I think those days are long past me. All right, we so get you, you're Sorry. junior. For those that don't know... <laughs> For those that don't know, you are were the very first person on the podcast. I was. You are now the very first person on the video um, that's going on YouTube. Sorry. Uh, so. I and mean, it's kind of appropriate. I, then that's exactly why I wanted to have you. So
0: tell everybody who the fuck are you and what do you do? So um, I'm a professional skydiver. I'm mm-hmm. gonna uh, do stunts and commercials and stuff like that as well. And yeah, I just fucking live life. Jump out of airplanes, jump live life. Jump out of airplanes, life. airplanes jump, they, live life. Instructor, all that shit, behind the scenes yeah, stunts. Instructor, uh, examiner, um, stunt coordinator. I <coughs> do some some stunts when it comes to skydiving and stuff like that. And Cool. Some uh, help with other, other types of stunts, like doing ground and stuff like that and so behind the scenes behind the, scene, scene behind stuff, the as scene well. stuff for for non skydiving stunts and stuff
1: nice so. nice now how all right let's jump it all the way back and for people that have listened to the podcast that you've done with me before or um at least have uh especially if they've listened to that very first one uh this might be old news but i want you to recap everything so how did you get started in skydiving like what was the first jump what was it all about
0: so kind of like you i was actually uh i was flying before i was jumping out of them Oh wow! Well. Um, I I grew up with a aviation background. My dad was the director of maintenance for Pan American Airways way back in the day.
1: Pan Am, Pan Am, Jesus Christ! The, the airline that set the standard. That's that's the 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 guy, the kid. The, what did they call him? The airwayman. Um, the DiCaprio played. That was Pan Am, wasn't it? He said he was a Pan Am pilot.
0: Yeah, he was. That was one trip. He w- he played the the competitor. Oh, that's right, the bad guy. Yeah. Okay, so your dad worked for the villain. That worked for. I mean, they were the greatest airline it ever was until maybe nowadays. A yeah, couple some of some of the ones that <laughs> there are no great airlines anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try to do it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a great time in aviation. Yeah. But uh, growing up like that, it was natural that I would get into aviation in some way. So when I graduated high school, my parents got me a Discovery flight. I went with an instructor, flew for the first time, and fell in love. Okay. So I started flying, uh, flew for about a year and a half, um, just getting to my PPL, and my instructor decided that we were going to try to see how many airports we could hit in one hour, just touch and goes. Okay. And where I was living up in Michigan, um, it was pretty easy. I mean, you could throw a rock from airport to airport. Mm. So we we got to about 15 or so, and he points out in the sectional that we were getting ready to uh, do a touch and go into you know, a skydiving operation. It had the little parachute symbol on the on the section. Also, it was a registered drop zone. Mm. And he's like, "You want to stop and check it out?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" So we stop, shut down, walk inside, and I'm look around. And this place is old school. I mean, it's wood paneling. You could <laughs> see um, military boots sitting out, mechanics one piece jumpers. And I looked at them. I was like, "There's no fucking way in hell I would ever do this." <laughs> now, what drop zone was this? This was Scott of Tecumseh, Okay. Which was at the at the time was the third oldest drop zone um, in the United States. So
1: it's like uh, um
0: like the loft
1: in the movie drop zone with snipes.
0: Not not quite that, but yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was kind of like that. like that.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. So I go back to flying and uh, I'm in I'm in college and a couple of friends one day were like, hey, we're thinking about going to Scott Avenue, you want to come? I'm like, hey, fuck yeah, let's do it. Mm. No shit. Showed up at the same place. Really? So I walked in. I was like, well, it's too late now. I've already paid a deposit. I'm like, let's just do this. Sure. So went through um, went through the course, got in the airplane. I was supposed to be the second person out, got to altitude, and a storm rolled in. Mm. My buddy jumps out, static line, parachute opens, and all of a sudden he's above the airplane, and the, I see the, <laughs> the jump master with his head sideways trying to look up. To find him. He lands (laughs) two miles from the airport. We circle for a little bit and we land. Okay. So weather, not going to happen. Right. So I go home and I'm telling my dad about it. My dad's always been, uh, he was always a guy that would do crazy stuff. I mean, him and my mom's first date was a demolition derby that he was in. (laughs) And he would have won it, too, had the engine not fallen out of the bottom of the car. So he took second place.
1: Wait, wait, his That was their first date? That was their first date. So he picked her up and went, okay, you sit in the stands. I'm going to go fuck some shit
0: up. Pretty much. All right, nice. And, I mean, they'd known each other. My, my dad's best friend was my mom's brother. So That's still awesome. It's, it's amazing. Um, so I told him about it, and he's like, oh, you're not doing this without me. So for his 55th birthday, I bought him the Static Line course. Nice. So he went through the Static Line course. We're getting ready to get in the airplane. Weather. Next weekend, weather. Next weekend, weather. Next weekend, weather. Next weekend, he goes out of town. I go out to the drop zone. I make my first jump. Mm. So he comes back the following weekend. I'm like, okay, uh, so this is the first jump for you guys. I'm like, nope, it's my second. And he just glared over at me. <laughs> I was like, You little motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, There's no way I was letting you do it first. Right. So at that point, we just we both got hooked. So it was Every jump together. Nice. If we're on the airplane, we're on the airplane together. Our 50th jump together. Our 100th jump together. Our 200th jump together. That's awesome. The first World Free Fall Convention together.
1: You know, there was a time when I would have uh, said if you told me that uh, somebody was going to start skydiving at 55, I would have thought, oh, that's, that's, that's pushing it. That's getting up there a little ways. And now I'm fucking 52. And I could easily see... Starting a first jump course now. Yeah. Especially you hit what now is very much middle age. 50s is middle age these days. And you have that little middle age crisis and go, all right, fuck. But if your dad was already destroying cars and
0: stuff. He was destroying cars, destroying skis, destroying himself. Nice, nice, <laughs> I mean, nice, nice, nice.
1: So you really, that he was your buddy for jumping. Yeah, some fathers and sons would
0: go fishing. We would go skydiving. Nice.
1: How, so, what did mom think of that?
0: Because did mom jump? Mom, mom thought we were crazy at first. And then mom came out to the drop zone and saw how we were on the weekend um, and realized that it was a culture Mm. just as much – cult. I mean a culture. Yeah, yeah, a culture. Not a cult. A culture. (laughs) It It was a culture as much as it was, and it was the people as much as it was, the sport and the adrenaline and having fun.
1: Well, now let me ask, did your relationship with your father, was it the same before you started skydiving or did it strengthen?
0: Did it become more? It strengthened for sure. I mean, we were were always, we were always close. I was always, I'm a mama's boy at heart, but I was always a daddy's boy as well. Cool. So like we would wrench on the cars on the weekend. He was my little league baseball coach working two jobs by, mind you, he worked two jobs to make sure that we had everything we needed on the family. He was a hardworking guy. But he was at every wrestling match I had. He was even up, up until I uh, went into college, and he was even he was even going then. Um, he was always there. So this just made it a little bit tighter, a little bit closer. It gave us something that was a little bit more common. Sure. To kind of and kinda go so and do. so mom dug it for that. Mom dug it for that. Um, mom hated the fact that we were jumping out of airplanes for the fear side of it. Sure. Um, but loved the fact that we were spending that that quality time together, and and you know just being there for each other. So
1: now when you were doing all this and you're out jumping with your dad, well first off, it probably makes it a little how old were you? I was I just turned twenty. So a little bit easier to hit dad up for money to go to the drop zone if he's fucking jumping with you. Oh for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Like I mean I, I worked hard. Like I was I started packing so that I could afford jumps. Okay. Like it wasn't one of those things that I was just, you know, sucking I, it, dad was, right? it wasn't it wasn't one of those. <laughs> I wasn't sucking on the on the rural nipple, you know? Right. Um no it was I worked for it but my birthday gift turned into jumps. My Christmas gifts turned into jumps or gear or, sure. You know, little bits and pieces, you know, to to kind of put stuff together. I got a rig for myself and I needed a D-bag. So a Christmas gift was A D bag. A D-bag because I <laughs> that's what I needed. You know what I mean? So it was it was kind of cool. And same thing, you know, flip it 180 and sure and um, you know, Christmas came along and he I'm like, I'll just get him some jumps. I'll throw some jumps on his counter. Right. He needs a I don't know a new logbook, so I get him a logbook. You know, it's just it was it was kind of stuff like that.
1: That's cool. Now, so, now, so when all of this is going on, obviously, you said you were packing to make money at the drop zone and stuff. Yep. When did did you start transitioning into working in the sport as a jumper? When you and your dad were still hitting around all over the place? Absolutely. I mean,
0: think about it. I was a I was a college student. Mm. I was. Wait, wait what? Did you go to college for? Uh, aviation management. Oh, okay. All right. So I was following dad's footsteps Nice. One way well, or
1: which, And I suppose a lot of the times I'll ask people about college um, that have become full-time skydivers, and it's usually something completely fucking random that they're not using. But you kind of are using
0: aviation management in skydiving with all the different facets of the sport. For sure. I mean, and definitely now at, my, at the current level where I am, <laughs> where I'm doing consulting and helping people start up drop zones, it's mm-hmm. – a little bit easier i'm, you, uh, I'm your, actually going back and i'm, I'm actually big boy pants stuff. on and everything know, right fucking cool but yeah i mean it was it was fun it was a it was a great time and and uh the only way to to make money or to to afford skydiving for me i was working a full-time job i was going to school full-time and whenever i wasn't doing one of those i was out of the drop zone jumping my ass off sure. or packing or Coach course, static line course to to get an instructor rating so that I could go do that free jump because sure. everybody wanted that free jump. Sure. So if I had to work with with a th- with a few students to to get a free jump, go for it. Whatever I had to awesome. do to, to 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 get that that fix of, of of jumping out of an airplane, right? What was your What was your first uh, rating? First rating was coach. Okay, but it was is that did they require the coach
1: ratings when you got it?
0: When I got it, it was the it was the the very first. Uh, one of the very first coach courses that was put out. It was right when the BIC went to the coach course.
1: Cause it, it, and when that happened, though, coach courses were not first required for other ratings, were they? If you had the BIC beforehand, they weren't.
0: Okay, because I was grandfathered in. You were grandfathered in because you did the BIC yeah. before. Um this, the coach, coach. I, I missed you by, by yeah, this much. much. I was literally the first. <laughs> right. One of the first coach courses ran in the United States wh- I was in. Right. Um, so we're talking two thousand. 2001, maybe. Okay. Yeah. We, I mean, we were right there. Same time. So, Same time. Um, so I, I needed to get that. Then I got my, my static line instructor rating. And <laughs> that was just a you know throw out students so I can get that free jump when the, th- when the third one was out. Sure. You got to B- jump. I got to yeah. pull a static line in, bail out after them. Nice. And get a free jump. So, And then it was natural progression. Became a tandem instructor because my drop zone wasn't doing AFF at the time.
1: So, you did the what the AFP program or no, none, no, no, none no at all.
0: Nothing, it was static line and then the occasional the tandems and stuff. That's but cool though. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. It was, it was fun.
1: And you, so meanwhile, you're still doing a lot of jumping with your dad, you're still traveling out with your dad, although I'm imagining not nearly as much because now you're working doing it.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we would take off for the World Free Folk Convention, and um, that was kind of our, our time. Like, we'd, I'd save as much as I could. Mm. And I'd go to the World Freefall Convention, and I would just rage. And this was back when it was where? This is back when it was in Quincy, <laughs> the, 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 the OG.
1: So, the first time we talked about um, the World Freefall Convention, I think you had mentioned Quincy. And yep. I made a sideways comment that it's not if somebody gets killed out there, it's when. And, and that I thought it was just insane
0: back then. And then you told me what? That in 2003, uh, the second to last Quincy convention, my dad went in. I still,
1: to this day, look back on all the different things. It's not that I regret saying what I said; it's that I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know, and I didn't expect on the heels of that sideways comment for that to be coming. Because skydivers, you just as much as me, have pretty
0: fucked up dark senses of humor. Yep, I didn't expect to hear that. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I still. I mean, it was it was something that that obviously it was uh, life changing. Yeah, clearly, um, and this was. Only a short time after Roger Nelson went in. So we, the, my, my drop zone had, had uh, purchased an otter mm. from Roger, a um, lease to purchase, and um, everything, unfortunately, I'm, I know you've talked to, to Rook and Melissa before. Sure. Um, that happened. So our entire drop zone got in the otter, and we flew for the memorial. Um and my dad was there with us. We we went all of us and at that time there weren't jerseys. There were no there were no jerseys <laughs> right. out there. But right. uh, we all had our staff shirt on and we we showed up twenty strong to, sure. to support um Rook and, and Melissa and, and the family and stuff. And um I remember sitting with, with dad and we were with we talked briefly about how, how difficult, you know, that must have been for for the kids for, for Rook and for the kids that were the same age. Mm-hmm. for for Rook and Melissa. And um then August comes around. We're at the free fall convention, and he goes in. How the fuck do you keep jumping after that?
1: I mean, I know you were invested, but we're not talking about a friend or even a partner. We're talking about your father. Yeah. Uh, my,
0: my best friend. Yes. My my family. I mean, uh, the things that I wish I could have asked him beforehand. <laughs> sure. Um, But I grew up with – I mean – for fuck's sake, his his first his first his first day with my mom was a demolition derby. Sure, um, I believe she was on the back of of the the snowmobile with him when they were driving at night, and the lights went out, and he tried to jump over the road, and wound up impaling the snowmobile because he went from a low to a high, thought he could do it, and impaled the snowmobile into the side of the the snow berm. And this is back in Vermont, back in the days when they used to get massive snow, and they would have. Sure. You know six seven eight foot of sure snow walls on the sides of the roads and i mean it i knew and and this sounds so cliche but i know he died doing something he loved doing that always sounds cliche when you say it but that doesn't make it not true exactly i could think of so many other things that could have taken him i remember my, my dad had a heart attack in his 40s mm. um he had cellulitis which is a an, an infection that he got from a from a like a cut on his leg that almost killed him, put him mm. in the hospital, almost killed him. So I'm, I'm, I think back, and my mom and I have this conversation all the time that I'm so glad that he went the way he did, and not from some debilitating, sure, Alzheimer's or or something that was gonna that would that would take him long and slow and painful.
1: I mean, I just wish it wouldn't have been so soon. I'm sure you've heard the same thing. I've had the comment made by people that don't want to skydive. Oh, my God, that would just be a horrible way to die. And I always think completely the opposite. No, not really. I mean, at worst, at worst, you got a minute to realize you're fucked. And as a skydiver, especially a longtime skydiver, you're going to be so busy trying to fix whatever's going on that it's going to be kind of secondary in your mind where you're dealing with whatever the fuck is happening. So I can think of a lot worse ways to go out.
0: Absolutely, and I mean the, the 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 toughest thing about death, and we've talked about this before. The toughest thing about death is the people that are left behind. Sure.
1: In fact, um, we won't get into it too much on this one because we'll care if we just go down this long yeah. bummer road and drink too much wine. But um, for anybody that's interested in that exact conversation, uh, you and I were lucky enough to sit down with Omar, Omar yep. Ahijlan. Uh, and we talked specifically about that subject and about how people deal with uh, death in different ways. And, and especially how professional skydivers that see more than our fair share deal with that kind of stuff. Um, so definitely check that one out. Uh, you've been on more than a few episodes, including getting shitty drunk and, uh, eating hot sauce, Yeah, which by the way, we need to redo that with, with video. Well, we, we, depending on how this goes, I may go grab the new bottle and just dip a finger.
0: It's, I heard it kills COVID.
1: It's halt, it's hot sauce called regret. But anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go to to slightly more, uh, um, Slightly more upbeat stuff. You've fucked yourself up a lot in skydiving. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, <laughs> finish off what you were asking me before. Though, yes, please. How do you, how do you continue? Um, it when something is in your life the way this is, and it's it, it really is. Like I think skydiving is something that that goes into your heart and in your soul. Mm. Um, it was easy to to stay. It, it was about a week of I don't know if I'm going to do this or not, and then I thought about what I would want if it was me. Sure. And I wouldn't want him to stop jumping i would want him to excel at it i would have wanted him to learn from it help educate other people and just be the best that he could be at it so i kind of took his his um what i thought that he would want that's fair knowing my dad the way i did and i just i sucked it up and i forced myself to to go do a jump and i did it with my um his godson my my cousin um was in the airplane and i went and just did a, a hop and pop a little bit after his uh, his memorial and just just to get out and just to to knock kind of the dust off and sure. opened up and cried my eyes out a little bit and sure um, realized that it was gonna be difficult but just pushed on and tried to to do the best I could for me and to to kind of I don't want to say make a name for myself but just make set goals and 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 complete sure. those goals and sure sport.
1: Well, and and without getting too deep into it, because we talked to her as well, your mom's a fucking rock star. Yeah, mom's awesome. I mean, to not only have to deal with the loss of her husband, but then to have to support her son as he continues, not just to keep jumping out of airplanes, but to do some pretty intense shit jumping out of airplanes.
0: Yeah, it does some cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hence the reason I got to the how many times you've broken yourself in skydiving. There's been a few.
0: In skydiving? I'm under my own accord. None. <laughs> Fuck you. So I, I, I've, I've, <laughs> hang on. He's gonna get to it. Trust I'm me. I'm gonna get to it. Um. So when I was learning how to swoop, I was given a DG number. For anybody that doesn't know out there, a DG number is a dead guy number. So my, my good a good friend of mine, um, hopefully he's watching this, uh, Marshall Scalisi, and I were both kind of pushing each other. We were kind of driving at the same time. We were both, um kind of learning how to swoop and we didn't really have there were no coaches back then sure right i mean there may have been a couple of the guys from the pd factor team that was starting out um jim slayton and and luigi connie who's been on your on your podcast before <sighs> yeah, and, yeah. and the team extreme with jc cole and those guys they were they were the first real swoop teams sure um the first real swoopers but they weren't going around and coaching people they were figuring out for themselves as well sure so uh i low turned my 120 nitron and Bounced off the ground, kept flying the canopy, bounced again, flew to a stop, sat up, looked at my legs. They were pointing straight. I was like, "Good, nothing's broken." And I lay there and waited. Luckily, one of the doctor, one of the jumpers, was a doctor for University of Michigan, so he came over and checked me out. He's like, "Yeah, nothing's broken." He's like, "You're gonna be sore though, dude." So I was lucky enough. I lived, and I've tried to train people so that they don't do the same thing that I've done. But besides that, I everything that all my pains and aches and everything that I've had happen have been while training other people how to be instructors.
1: Fair. Well, I mean, that being said, you became an AFF evaluator, so
0: you're taking shots all the time. AFF all the time. Instructor, then AFF evaluator, now yeah. examiner, and I've been in a, an AFF examiner for God, two thousand five or two thousand six, yeah, somewhere yeah. in that. Somewhere By the way, area.
1: to step back, the on the field
0: jumper doctor, worst thing ever. What? Wor- Dude. His, bo- his name is Bob Domeyer. Um, I gotta give him a shout out. He's uh, he's an amazing guy. Um, he used to run the Life Flight Department for <laughs> University of Michigan.
1: I'm not telling you. Badass you're...
0: badass four-way flyer and, and belly flyer. He was on multiple world records and he was also the guy that was on the scene for dad.
1: Okay, I mean, I'm definitely not doubting his
0: qualifications, but but when... (laughs) You don't necessarily want to be around on a drop zone for that, do you?
1: (laughs) No, well, so when I trashed my neck, when I blew up my stiletto years ago, um, I landed and uh, managed to film the tandem landing that I was filming by holding my own head as the tripod. And then as soon as the tandem was done and I finished, I turned off the camera and fell over and had a doctor, chiropractor... (laughs) come and uh, um, give me an adjustment. No x-rays, no nothing. I can't turn my head. Here, lay on the table. I'm just going to... So he cracks me. He calls his physician wife to prescribe me wonderful painkillers. That was the best part. Uh, And I had to drive to the pharmacy to get back, and I stopped at the house near there um, for something or other, and then backed my truck into a telephone pole because I couldn't turn my head. (laughs) Cut to all these years later... Multiple, you know, shit going on with my neck. So, yeah, dude. Well, I. Heard- go, if you hurt yourself on a drop zone, take the advice of medical professionals that are there on the field, and then go see a fucking doctor.
0: Well, I was there for your surgery, your neck surgery. I was also there when when your uh, your now wife, then fiance, yes. tried to kill you by with an giving, ice cube. With an ice cube, yes. Yeah. yes, yes. Ha- she did. Had you needed, I would have reluctantly given you mouth to mouth, but it. it <laughs> You 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 might have died. Dude. You, you very well might have died. I, I probably would have called for help first. I mean, the
1: fucking iceberg that took the Titanic <laughs> down was only slightly larger,
0: for fuck's sake. At least that's how it felt to me. Granted, I was under still uh, anesthesia. but If anybody watching this wants to see any of the videos that I took of him while he was semi-coherent on painkillers... Send me a personal message, and I will share them with you. Oh, one of them's, up on, one. One of them's up on YouTube. That one's <laughs> up on up on YouTube.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were there for that, by the way. Thank you for that. Um, I don't know if you're going to be around for the next one. Uh, I don't uh, know if I will or not. Yeah. I heard you got go to
0: go for it. I heard your neck is so strong. <sighs> I broke a titanium or, or, disc, or your head is just so big that you broke a titanium disc. Yes,
1: I currently, right now, as we speak, have a broken neck. It's got to be some kind
0: of world record.
1: It's, I'm the first person ever. I'm right now, at least as far as I know, and as far as my surgeon knows, I am the first recorded case of an artificial disc oh, breaking. Cheers. Cheers. Breaking in me. So, yes, right now I have a, that's why I'm kind of a little stiff as I move around, because I have a broken fucking neck. I thought it was just because you're old. No. Unfortunately, now what that means is they got to take the, fuck you, <laughs> they got to take the disc out because it's on the C67 so they got to take that out and now uh that's no longer viable for an artificial disc so they got to fuse it luckily C67 is very little of the range of motion so
0: i mean luckily you get because you're getting older you've got more wrinkles fuck so off. so they won't be able to see the scar now, quite as much here's
1: the worst is so they went in through the left side for the first time they yeah. got to go in through the right side this time Now
0: it just looks like you hung yourself.
1: Exactly. It's going to look like I'm a fucking failed suicide or I came out of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you can decide which one I am.
0: Definitely (laughs) the ugly.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, it's fucked. But I also have a very difficult time complaining about the first surgery. The second surgery, fuck you, the people that made this stuff. I'm holding my comment for – anyway. But the first surgery – all self-inflicted. It's twenty-five years of skydiving, a lot of which with that big-ass camera helmet that you guys can't see uh, hanging on the wall for thousands of jumps and heavy no, cameras and and no, I don't want to wear a
0: neck brace because I want to look cool. And man, I'll tell you what—if I was as smart then as I am now, I would have been doing stuff like Tom Sanders and Joe Jennings and fuck putting yes. a neck brace on. I mean, fuck yes. Some of the jumps that I did in the early days with the Red, um, when when I was on the team, I mean. I had a couple of openings that were so hard that, yes. that I did the same thing. Like I would pitch and grab. And I mean, we were doing it with Petra's. So, I mean, it's just pitch, grab, squint, and hope that everything opens up okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to
1: be relieved when your parachute doesn't almost knock you unconscious. No. I mean, I left a grapefruit-sized bruise on my chest from where my chin hit it, and I'm pretty fucking <laughs> sure that's not supposed to happen. So, well, so you've, you've had uh, all the bumps and bruises and shit in AFF and all that. You've had uh, what, one shoulder surgery? Two shoulder surgeries. Two
0: shoulder surgeries. So this one was from, um, I was doing XRW. Uh, I was doing a project. Uh with the team and I was actually flying with the, the late great Micah couch. Mm. Ah. Cheers to that. Cheers to Micah. Yep. And, uh, so we're flying some XRW, um, over in Dubai. And, uh, one of the pilots was flying around, uh, Max Heim was telling the, the pilot where to be for, for video. And he wanted some good photos and stuff like that. Um, Max I love you, but fuck you because your camera didn't work except for seven frames after the pilot flew in front of us and my parachute collapsed. I heard that was a really exciting video That was an extremely exciting video. um one of these days I'll actually publish it, but um, I don't know why I haven't until now I just I've just been been kind of hanging on to it. You can give it to me to put up on the YouTube channel that I can do that I can do yeah. It's, it was uh it was quite interesting. So I went from flying fast forward to being upside down, flying fast backwards, and then back forwards again, all in about a second and a half or about seven frames of a camera shoot. Nice. Um, I got to get the, the photos from Max. I never got them. But it's perfectly flying canopy, a little distorted, really distorted, distorted to me upside down flying the opposite direction over top of the canopy, and then... Distorted and then me flying straight again. Well, it sounds like it worked out okay, except for my shoulders took it. So uh, yeah, it kind of uh, kind of sucked. But anyway, get the one shoulder operated on. Everything's going good. I'm I rehabbed it, back at it again. And then um, I was jumping with um, a an instructor candidate for AFF, and he tried to do a spin stop on me, <laughs> and he kind of did like a, a spin, stop, flyby, right, and kept, caught the arm and kept the arm mm. as I was spinning. So I kind of felt a pop and tore my tore my rotator cuff. So the
1: shit that we do, like if you just wrote down on paper and didn't say that skydiving was involved, saying that there's going to be an object in front of you that weighs <laughs> somewhere between 130 to 240 pounds spinning really fast, and you have to run and use your body to stop it, people would be like. Fuck you. And everybody getting their <laughs> AFF rating goes, yeah, okay, that, make, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking Jesus, Kurt, right? There was actually, there was, um, in fact, I want to make sure it doesn't escape me now. Um, there was a project that you were involved with that was super, super cool, but I've had a few people ask questions about it. Uh, I interviewed the wonderful Ernesto Genza. Yeah. Ernesto, uh, I had him on the podcast. He was fucking fantastic and told me all about his different projects. And at the time, he was landing the smallest parachute in the world. Yes. And that was a 35-square-footer. Yep. And my first thought was, who filmed him? It was you. All right? So... (laughs) Uh, Ernesto is not a big guy, um, and I know that the the size of the parachute going down does not um, make just make it uh, better for a smaller person. That it still has completely different flight characteristics, and super twitchy and crazy to fly. Yep.
0: And I get that, but what was your wing loading and what was his wing loading? Uh, I think he was wing. I think his wing loading was about uh, four six, four seven, maybe. Jesus, you Christ. can you can go back to the to the podcast that you did with him and double check it, but. I believe he was around 4647 uh on a 35 square foot and I was on a 66 loaded at about 4.0. I wow. had I was wearing two weight belts. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Three weight belts if you can my belt. Belly. Okay, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, I mean, you're coming out of the fucking sky as well. I'm coming out of the sky as well. And I'm doing it all while watching him and not watching what's coming in. Yeah, and having to film what's going on. And, and, and not to take away from the accomplishment
1: of landing a 35 square foot parachute, because I saw his B reel and some of the fucking uh, horrible openings and the cutaways and the intentional chops where this thing was just insane. And it's fucking crazy to yeah. watch. But um, I always wondered, you know, how it worked out. And then, of course, Luigi who I talked specifically about his um, with the 30, it was a 34. 34. Yep, 34. Yeah, 34. Um, and he he had sent me a picture that obviously since it was before I was doing the video, you, I couldn't show, but he sent me a picture of what uh, NZ Aerosport shipped him the parachute in, and it was a
0: fucking legal envelope. <laughs> it's about what they sent uh, <laughs> Ernesto's in as well. <laughs> oh, man. I remember him getting it and opening it up and looking at everything.
1: I put, uh, um, Ernesto gave me some of the video to post um, specifically. Actually, he told me to rate his YouTube channel, which I did. Thank you, Ernesto. Um, and uh, there's a beautiful shot uh, of that uh, uh, preparation and everything. And he's got three canopies kiting. I think one is probably like a 103 or something. Another one's clearly like a 150. Yep. And he's, you know, kiting this fucking napkin over his head. Yeah, I remember when he did that. He did that on the runway. Oh, uh, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: Now, um... You also have competed. I've competed. um, So I set, when I was a younger jumper, I set some goals for myself um, in 2006. (laughs) You're not, we gotta, I keep them fucking liquored up for this podcast. I don't know why. Hmm. Oh man. I keep everybody liquored up if I can. Some some over the top. Not mentioning any names. Mas de Siena.
1: Oh, if there had only been
0: video for that. Oh, man. Actually, we wouldn't have been able to show it. Know. YouTube would have flagged it. <laughs> they probably would have. I've got, I still have pictures of him with, with a spaghetti. Uh, my, with, my, with my, pa- big, my pasta bowl? My pasta bowl, and he's just hugging yeah, it on the floor. I've got pictures of that, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So. But, yeah, I competed. Um, I set a goal for myself in 2006, and I was going to start. Um, I was going to take swooping seriously. I did my first competition in 2003, um, and in 2006 I decided I was going to go full in. I was I was competing, and that's what I, that's what my goal was. So every um, FLCPA, um, I'd go down to Florida or wherever it was, and they were all down in Florida. Sure, and um, I would I would compete, and it was myself and uh, Tommy Delleback that were going kind of head to head on on all of them. It was. He was first, then I was first, and he was first for a couple, and then I was first again for one, and it was always one and two, and we were kind of pushing each other throughout. And we got to the CPC Championships, the Canopy Piling Circuit Championships, and top ten got to go to the Pro Pro Swoop Tour, Mm. back when the Pro Swoop Tour was a thing. Sure. And uh, we made it out to Colorado, and um, I edged out Tommy by less than a point. Nice. For the championship. Nice. And that was was my goal, is I was going to go, and I wanted to – Obviously, I wanted to get gold, but my my goal was to finish in the in the top ten. I wanted to go to the to the PST, and of course, I was I was pushing for gold.
1: PST, Oh, yeah yeah, that's back in the day.
0: Yep, that's back in the day because I was working at
1: uh, Wildwood when the PST tour would still go through Wildwood, and they'd be they jump in there, and I was doing cross keys, and then we'd go do the boogie in Wildwood for the PST tour. Yep. Fucking hell. Well, in the FLCPA, um, cheers to Al, President Al, man. Yeah, Fucking hell. By the way, you owe me another podcast. You said you'd come on. So, cause he's president yeah, now. And yeah, he's who, the president of the USPA. When do you get to talk to a president?
0: He ran, man, he, that guy ran the FLCPA for I don't know, even know how many years. And that swoop tour wouldn't be what it is without him. Yeah. And now, uh, cheers to Kurt and Genie. They've taken it over and they're, they're doing a great job with it. Um, but man, um, if it wasn't for Albert, Ooh, sure. I don't know where that would have gone. Before him, it was Justin Thornton and um, Chris Hayes, and there was, there was a bunch of people that were. That
1: well, were I mean, it's tough, right? Before. I mean, the PST and all the other stuff just kind of went by the wayside. So it's good.
0: Yep. So now you're
1: making the conscious decision to become a um, a pro swooper. You're going to go out and you're going to compete. Walking into this, do you know, oh, I'm never really going to make any money doing this and I'm going to spend a fortune traveling and no one outside of skydiving has a clue. Or were you walking into it thinking fame and fortune, I'm going to be a rock star.
0: I was walking into it thinking it's going to be really cool experience. Um, It's something that I want to do and maybe it'll wind up in the Olympics someday. Olympic national Olympic committee, whatever, whatever it is, the IOC or international Olympic uh, committee. I think if you guys are watching this, That'd be really fucking cool. But, yeah. you know, it's time. I think the tunnel's going to make it before <laughs> swooping. It probably will. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is cool. I think that's amazing too. Um, but So you walk into it just going, all right, this is going to be
0: really cool and fun. Yeah. It's going to be cool and fun. This is something I want to do. Um, I took it really serious that year and then I kind of chilled for a little bit, went back to making money because, like you said, there's no money to be had in competing. Um, at least back then there wasn't. I mean, prize money would be like you would get your money back that you put in for the competition. Um, And I mean, at that time we didn't even have medals. Sure. So like I see like Kurt putting up his medals and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't have any medals for my, for my beginning days. We would get like a, a pat on the back handed an envelope with, you know, some portion (laughs) of the money that we paid for it. (laughs) And an Arby's gift card. (laughs) And you'd move on your way. I mean, I think the, the championships were the, were the, was the first medal I actually got. I think your dog just farted.
1: Uh, Maybe it wasn't me. You sure it wasn't. I know? would. You know I would, but no. I know you would, but yeah, no, I think it was the dog. She groans a lot. Uh, maybe it was a groan. Yeah. But it sounded like a fart. <laughs> I mean, that's actually one yeah. of the things that gives me a lot of respect for the guys that are going balls out competing now is even now with bigger prize money and all that stuff,
0: there's still not much into it. You're doing it for the love of it. And that's exactly it. And that's what we that's what it should be about. Sure. Competition shouldn't be about Amazing prize money. It shouldn't be about all the rest of this stuff. I mean, it would be great if it was. It'd be great if we got paid like professional athletes, like like football players and basketball players and stuff like that. I mean, that'd be amazing. Well, but I've
1: if, I've long believed that uh, sports should pay according to their level of danger. If that's the case, then we're definitely up way there. underpaid. We're way, way underpaid. Way underpaid. Yeah. Well, so the For thing stunts with as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, but especially the the um, competing stuff because you go into it knowing, all right. This is just purely for the joy of it, Um, and which is great. But to get to the top of the game, which if you're going to get into it, obviously you have the drive to want to get to the top, takes a fuckload of training jumps, which means that working and training properly –
0: yeah. Right? I mean... I mean, I was I was lucky enough. I was I was working at a couple of really good drop zones. Um, I was down in a drop zone um, in Georgia. Um, it used to be ASC. It used to be the Skyride drop zone. Oh. Uh, I won't, we won't talk about that. No. Um, but as I stayed out of the politics, as a jumper, I was making a lot of jumps. And every single time I did camera, I used it as a training jump. Sure. Um, and I mean, it's not the same because I'm not jumping with lead. I'm not able to do that stuff. But I was... Making it a point to work on accuracy, to work on sight picture, get in the gates, and then I would just need to put weight on and adjust for it. Sure. And that's the way my that's my that's been my philosophy for everything. I don't train, and it it drives some people crazy. It drives my wife crazy. She's like, "Why don't you just fucking train?" I'm like, "I just don't train." Right. Um, The first time I trained is when I was with the team. No, and, and that was my full time job was competing.
1: Sure. Now, what do you think? Um, after all the competitions and all the years, what's the highlight for competing?
0: For me, I mean, it was winning the world championship of swoop freestyle. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean for sure. <laughs> I mean, anybody that says other than other than that is is crazy.
1: Just describe that event: the location,
0: the fucking event, I mean, the people. It, I mean, it, it was incredible. Um, swoop freestyle. It used to be for swoop swoop challenge for a couple years and then they got the fai fai approval and became swoop freestyle and um the event was in downtown copenhagen which in itself i mean is incredible you're we're landing on these on these small little lakes that are sandwiched in between buildings that are five six seven stories high yep which kind of fucks with your sight picture because you're flying over these buildings and you're doing your turn and then you're you're passing by the buildings and onto the, the lake where there's. <laughs> I think the the year that I won, I think they had, they had a record of almost a hundred thousand people that came out there over the two days of the competition. Hundred thousand people to watch to watch you guys land parachutes to watch us land parachutes on a little inflatable raft in the middle of these lakes.
1: I mean, it's one thing to have 100,000 views of a cool video on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, but you had 100,000 people go, all right, hey, we got to get in the car and go down because those fucking guys are landing parachutes on the lake. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's fucking cool.
0: (laughs) It was pretty cool. I mean, people were just camped out all day. They had food venues and all kinds of stuff around, and people were just kicked back on the grass watching us fucking swoop. It was was insane. Yeah. I would go watch that. Yeah. I
1: would t- as a non jumper, I would go watch that. That's badass. I, there's a few events
0: in skydiving I wouldn't go out and watch, but that's one of them. I mean, there was there was somebody landing on the pond every three minutes, roughly.
1: So, and it's the big white raft on the pond, and you got to. Tr- so, I'm assuming you get extra points if you actually manage to stop on the raft.
0: So you get judged for your turn, um, time on water, the trick, and how it's performed, and then your landing. So on the raft, off the raft, stand up. Um, slide in, you know, turning around, clawing for, for, for dear life. Um, all of it is, all of it is judged.
1: That's my favorite bit of watching those videos is watching people hit that raft. And it's a long fucking raft. I mean, yep. how long is it? It's a couple
0: hundred feet. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's about the same size as the, as the peas. So it's about. Um, oh, so not nearly as big as it looks on the video. No, but it, lo- <laughs> it looks really big in the video, but it's not that big. I think Fuck. it's, I don't know. I want to say it's. Maybe six meters across and maybe twenty-five meters. That's long. it. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was much bigger. No. All right.
1: That that makes it a little bit more understandable because it's fucking hilarious every time somebody hits that raft and they are just literally trying to put everything they can down.
0: Well, I mean, it's extra points, right? It's fucking great. So I mean, it was it was uh, it was an incredible competition and and the coolest thing by far, even beside winning it, was listening to the crowd if you could collect your your yourself after landing sure and i was lucky enough to land on the the raft luck and skill kind of played into both um but when i landed on the raft and my emotions are going high and then you hear the roar of the crowd around you was just insane i i understood what professional athletes felt like at that moment and for the first time I actually felt like a professional athlete
1: sure well and then you get off the raft you get on a boat and you get taken over it was Regan talking wasn't it uh Regan for some and um Peter Irish for the for for some of the other ones and then you're on a stage with the camera shoved in your face asking how you feel on live tv right (laughs) how fucking cool is that man it's it's, it's, well and I've watched your video as well you didn't seize up like some of the football players (laughs) oh yeah I just went out there and
0: tried to you actually were super amped and super Excited. oh for sure i mean you've got the adrenaline of landing on the raft or the adrenaline of, of just throwing down this this awesome trick and then you're 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 boated over you're dropping your stuff off and you're like you're literally kicking out of your gear and walking up and there's a microphone in your face that's awesome and it was i mean it was it was awesome
1: are you uh, i mean obviously you're kind of pulling out all the stops but do you find yourself um al- ignoring alarm bells to go a little bit bigger in an event like
0: that so uh, yes and no um, we always know what our limit is, right? And this is something that I, that I talk to anybody know what your limit is, know where you are and what you're capable of doing and dial it back. Mm. And Kurt may get on here or Nick may get on here or Pablo Hernandez or any, any of the professional swoopers may come on with you and, and say something different. But in my opinion, and this is, this is the philosophy I take into competition. It's a philosophy I take into stunts. Yeah. Um, I know what my limit is and I dial it back a little bit. I would much rather dial it back a hair, score, get a good score than push so hard that I either hurt myself or I zero the round. Sure, sure. So it's it's finding that finding that balance. When sure. it comes to a stunt, I know what my my limitations are or or a demonstration jump, I know where I am and I always dial it back 10%. I always want that extra 10% in case shit goes bad. It's a fucking good idea.
1: Speaking of Pablo Hernandez, by the way, dude, fucking badass, showing us old fuckers can still do it, coming across (laughs) the water in a recent competition like
0: this. (laughs) Dude, that
1: was so, oh, what a great shot. What a great shot. I mean, that was all the way around. He signed with the nut (laughs) grab. Yeah, man, super fun. Actually, I thought thought he was throwing up a metal sign. He may have. Yeah, grabbing his balls and just breaking across the water. It was amazing. It was good stuff. So now you've got exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, I've got some some cool stuff coming up. Can you can you tell me about it, or can um, you be sneaky
0: about telling me about it? I could be a little bit sneaky. I can't really I'm talk not, about it too much. I'm not
1: blowing you. I'm just trying to get
0: the wine. I, I didn't know what that hey, was. You're not drinking enough. You're making me look like an alcoholic.
1: Finish that. If you give a guy wine. There you go. Good man. That right, makes so- you
0: feel better? <laughs> now nah, you don't feel like as much of an alcoholic? That makes me feel better. <laughs> that makes me
1: feel better. All right, so tell me. What do you got coming up?
0: Um, well, I've been I've been uh, recovering from the second shoulder surgery for a while. Um, I've got some some shit going on with my back and my neck, as as always us old guys do. Um, Every fucking from, Scott ever I from, know from uh, some wonderful uh, working jumps that I've just sure had some issues, some sure. bad openings and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm just rehabbing, and I've been doing some consulting work, um, just trying to to make some money on the side while I haven't been jumping. So I've been uh, helping set up a couple drop zones. Nice. I'm um, working with some some new startups that have been been amazing and they've got some cool stuff going on. I think um, um, I've been with uh, Fly Seychelles uh, Skydiving Center. So they just opened their doors. Um, shout out to Gabor and uh, Francesco over there. Um, they did their first boogie a couple months ago and mm. they're getting ready for a really big boogie in, I think, April or May. They got some really good talent coming over there. Um, the guys from uh, Airwax, who we've we've interviewed. Yes. Yep. So so the, they're going to be over there, right there. Yep. They're going to be over there. Um, uh, Omar is going to be over there. Awesome. So I think they're going to be doing some some rad stuff, and and it's the start of uh, something that's, that should be pretty amazing. Well, and the Seychelles is fucking stunning. That's where I went and got married. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, so you're married now. Uh, I am married. You Got now. married since the last I time. I did. I yes. You you did that while I was away on. On vacation i did well we kind of had, no so. yeah, had to sneak away
1: yeah we kind of had to sneak away because i was recovering from the neck surgery and the recovery took a lot fucking longer than it was supposed to so it, my vacation was all gone so it was like uh, well i'm on the couch eating drugs right now i might as well be you know on a beach eating drugs because um, we were planning on getting married in october that got postponed so we yeah. went and did it in the seychelles so if you want a fucking boogie <laughs> a destination boogie to go jump there's really not that many that you choose from the seychelles should be
0: one of them yeah absolutely it's a it's a pretty cool pretty cool place seychelles
1: um, maldives fucking
0: um and then egypt of course and egypt was was incredible i was just at uh i was invited out to egypt um i wasn't jumping unfortunately um that kind of bummed me out but I, w- I was still invited out there hmm. um i needed to do a, a visa run so i did a visa run and <laughs> It just so happened to coincide with the boogie, so I got to go out and hang out with, with all these, these rad people that Red I hadn't seen in, in a while boys fucking uh, wingsuiting the pyramids. Dude, I was, I was there watching- uh, It was Fred. Fred and, and uh, Zincote and, and Mike Swanson shooting video and stuff like that, and I was right there in the landing area when those guys were doing it, and it was fucking insane.
1: It has to be. I mean, so the pyramids are enormous. But they're not so big that you stand at the base of the pyramids and look at the top and go, Oh yeah, wingsuit's
0: got a lot of room. Like that's still fucking no, hardcore, it's, it's, man. It's still fucking low. Like I would have loved to have been at the top getting video looking down as they were buzzing it. Yeah. That would have been fucking sick. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, hey, we can all wish for Yeah. For, yeah. For, still for though, things. I mean,
1: talk about amazing. And that's an amazing
0: spot as well. It's an amazing spot. Um the the organizers of the boogie uh, jump like a pharaoh. Um, they did a, they did a great job of, of getting people in and out of there. Um, and it was just me sitting on the ground, you know, watching this kind of stuff going sure. on and, sure. you know, saying hi to people, you know, you know, kissing baby, shaking hands yeah, all, why all not? like all why that not? Good stuff while I was there. I mean, it, it was perfect timing. Um, Nicole got to do some jumps. She said it was absolutely incredible jumping out of C-130 and looking down at the pyramids and they just looked so tiny. Has to be, has to be. I had Ty, uh, uh, Ty hookah on uh, the podcast not that long yep. ago
1: when we talked about the flight that we got to do from the Middle East to Switzerland and back. Uh, and the air traffic controllers on the way out had uh, routed us flying directly over the pyramids. And on the way back, weather caused us to have to land in Cairo. And that's why we Darn. got to see Yeah, It was a fucking <laughs> bummer, man. So we got to see the pyramids. And But on the way there, I think it was even more impressive for me as a jump pilot and a longtime otter pilot to be flying a jump to an otter <laughs> accidentally over the, like not planned over the pyramids, taking pictures going, you got to be fucking kidding me. And I mean, as a, it's a different thing as a tourist
0: <laughs> to just be, you know, even a pilot that actually, you know, that had to land there. That's but. not where you lost your phone. Is it? No, as I lost my phone, phone in as Greece. A, as an otter pilot, you for, for ages, you've always, and I don't, don't, I hope this doesn't get you in trouble, but you've either thrown water out of the, out of the window at me. Well, I've been on the step before marshmallows. Marshmallows have come by me and yes. hit me in the back of the head. And it just so happened that you stuck your phone I am not, out one time and it just went. I am not the first autopilot
1: to do it, <laughs> nor will I be the last autopilot. Woody, I'm talking to you. I know you've dropped your phone. Um, and yes, actually the uh, uh, the marshmallow idea for any autopilots that are out there or any uh, aircraft you'd fly jumpers in where you can get to the window there, uh, marshmallows are fucking amazing on jump run. It's hilarious because I, I, I will admit it. I was not paying as much attention to flying the plane as I was throwing marshmallows out the window at you guys. But it's so much fun just seeing
0: people getting pelted with all these little sugar balls. It's fun. It was fun. I mean, if I if I had known that it was coming beforehand, I would have probably turned around and tried to catch one in my yeah, mouth. like yeah, pretty much. <laughs> tried to grab it as it was coming by. Probably would have knocked out my teeth. Of something. course, of course. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the phone
1: bit. bit, I talked to Ty about it, and it was so funny because I had rolled the, the window down. And, and, of course, you're doing the pictures and stuff like that. And I wanted a view of as much of the fuselage and the tail as I could get with this amazing background. And we're over a lake just crossing over the mainland of Greece. And it's the phones get a little further and a little further and a little further. And then all you hear is a funk. And I turn and I look at Ty and Ty's looking at me with his eyes about that fucking big. And my immediate thought was, fuck, go get it. (laughs) And then I think I I took probably a second or two
0: for it to process. And then I started pissing my pants laughing. Well, I'm sending fucking messages to you because you were supposed to check in with me. Like we, we had this whole thing set up. You're like, okay. Yeah. Because leading up to it. Your your done, your co pilot was was a complete fucking jackass. He we lost talked his, about that he, as we, well. He lost, he lost his, passport, his passport, in a bag of biltong, all kinds How, of stuff. And you're God, like, I'm going
1: to say that again. He lost his passport in a bag of biltong. For
0: Americans, that's beef jerky. A paper bag that he shoved underneath the the kitchen sink or something like that, yeah, and found yeah, it afterwards. Yeah. And you were like, you were so <laughs> you were so convinced you were going to die. You're like, this is my this is my last will and testament. Well, These are the passwords to my computer. If anything happens. At this point he's oh. like, just make sure Bailey gets everything. Right. Don't worry about it. Like, like You heard that, Bailey, so you get everything. Yeah, yeah. So all this is going on and then your check in time, the land comes, <laughs> and I'm I'm like sending you a message I'm like, How is the flight? Yeah. Where are you at? Are you there? Yeah. Dean, how was the flight? Like, wait a little bit. Okay, you must not have landed yet. About an hour later. Oh, you must have gotten delayed. What's going on? You you uh, you land yet? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, and meanwhile, my 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 brain's going. I'm like, Ty fucking killed him. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, my at the time then two month old iPhone X was at the bottom of a fucking lake in Greece because it it went out of the plane in Greece,
0: just over the lake, boom, down. Well, finally, like I send I send your the the chief pilot a message. I'm like, Hey, have you heard from these guys? He goes, like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Dean apparently lost his phone mid-flight. They landed. They're good.
1: <laughs> and here's when I knew I had a problem with technology and having a phone to check and all that stuff is the instant we landed in Switzerland, I was like, where's a car
0: and an iPhone store? <laughs> That's it. Well, there was more than that. You were like, "Where? what are the reservations? Where are we staying tonight? what company did we have the car with? Because everything Everything was was in my fucking phone. Yeah, Everything, everything. Yeah. So
1: regardless to say everything, I now have information in multiple spots. But the other reason I was nervous about that flight wasn't nearly as much that my uh, co-pilot can be a bit interesting at times. Um, It was that I have flown approximately like two hours cross country in the last fucking 10 years You just as a jump pilot, you don't fly cross country. I go up, I go down, I go home. I'm over the same airport all the time. Emergency procedures are simple. What happens if the uh, electrical system fails? I land. What happens if you lose the engine? I land. What if you have a fuel leak? Uh, fucking land the airport's right down there it's it's, very simple point a to point a (laughs) what happens if all this happens i tell everybody to get out and i fucking land it's just so it's very very easy now all of a sudden you're you know flying past mount Sinai on your way to fly past fucking the the you know the pyramids and over the entire mediterranean with a guy in his underwear I forgot about that. Yes, with a guy in his <laughs> underwear. And as soon as you're, you know, past the point of no return over the Mediterranean, it sinks in that, oh, where's that book that says all the shit I'm supposed to do? <laughs> you start to get very away and then the the oh wait a second i'm supposed to be a professional pilot starts to kick in and you're like okay i need to double check all this stuff because this is not flying Scott Evers right now <laughs> yeah. hats uh, off to yeah. professional pilots that actually go places from from point a to point b not point a yeah, to point a <laughs> man i'm telling you hats off hats off so you, you've got a
0: um a bunch of stuff going on you're doing consultation you consultation stuff um i'm um, Getting ready to move countries. Um, can't talk about too much yet, but I'm gonna go on take another um, consulting role and nice. Um, I'm gonna be helping another country kind of help start skydiving from the from the ground up for civilians. Nice. So it's uh it's gonna be an amazing opportunity to to go there and and kind of help them kind of uh, write the rules, so to speak. You know, did just you think uh, to, to, you know make build a. A foundation for for essentially their version of the USPA sure now did you think even five years
1: ago that this was something that would eventually be
0: no I mean I I figured five years ago I was looking I was like oh, okay I'm just gonna start my own drop zone somewhere and and kind of do my own thing and you know I, I kind of I like playing with other people's money instead of my own. <laughs> I talked to uh, I talked to a friend that I that I work
1: with that uh, said his ultimate dream has become uh, being a drop zone owner that's also the pilot, screaming at his instructors for not fucking up his drogues. <laughs> He's like, I just w- I want to fly a fucking one eighty two or a two hundred six, and when the last one's out, I want to roll it over. Cheers to that! And fucking yell at somebody for taking too long to chuck the drogue, <laughs> and it, I, it soaked in and. He and I talked about that as well. There's not a lot of directions for professional, lifelong skydivers to go if this has been your gig forever, right? It's own a drop zone. It's um, become a professional rigger or all these things. But where does skydiving lead
0: when you can't chuck drugs anymore? I mean, it, it, but it goes back to the beginning, right? You start skydiving. You start as a packer. Well, most places, right? Sure. You start as a packer. Once you get enough jumps, because you've you've packed enough that you can jump, you get a coach rating. You start doing coaching jumps. You get a, a static line AFF or Iid rating. You start working with students or you get a tandem rating. Mm. And then you get, you know, you, somewhere in there you, you become a videographer if you can afford a camera. I remember I, I mean, I had, I don't know how many jumps I had before I actually had a video camera because I couldn't fucking afford it. Mm. Sure. So I was doing static line jumps or I was doing tandem jumps because- I didn't need as much equipment. That was the Easy. only problem
1: I didn't have in skydiving.
0: And then for me, I got my riggers ticket. I got my examiner rate. I became an evaluator first, and then I got my examiner ratings. I did everything I could do to make money in the sport that sure. I love. Sure, sure. And then finally, uh, this now, it's it's consulting thing. Sure.
1: Well, well, all right, but here's the thing, though, is in order to get a job doing something like consulting in skydiving um, – there's not that many of those jobs out there, right? I mean, it's a small sport, but it's still, we're talking about a couple hundred thousand strong, right? Uh, How many of those people uh, become, you know, working skydivers, but how many of those, how how sustainable is that for everybody? I'm lucky. I, I was able to turn it into a flying career that led me back to skydiving, but I came back to skydiving as a choice, but i got lucky with the the uh, operations that i was able to fly for and i got really lucky just in being able to fly initially but there's not that many people that get that lucky so skydiving can be a rough choice if you want to make a lifelong career out of
0: it it can be i mean my my life i chose skydiving like my my after september 11th in the aviation industry went to shit. i was working a professional job in aviation so was i and i chose skydiving as opposed to looking for another job. And I mean, I, I turned down at the time, which was good money, $50,000, $60,000 a year at the time. This is, you know, long time ago, Sure, <laughs> sure. long time ago, but I, I turned down really good paying jobs with airlines because I just felt that, that gravity towards skydiving. Sure. I wanted to be a full-time skydiver. And then I looked at some of the cool shit that other people do and I was like, I want to do that.
1: I don't know what she's doing.
0: Is she farting again?
1: No, my dog is just spinning circles on the floor.
0: I think she's gonna hey, shit please. right in front of us. Sit down, but please. But anyway, I mean, as, you, as you're almost falling out, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's about time to end this podcast. No, Dean, no, no, we're the, good. The dog's good. spinning thir- circles. Dean's falling out of the chair. The bottle of wine's almost empty. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's difficult to make a living in Scott scotting mm. full time. The the retirement plan. As a sky as a professional skydiver, isn't really there. For the, you, skydivers are living paycheck to paycheck. Man, start start putting some money aside. Don't don't go out and and have those flamingo dinners. You know the, that sushi dinner. Put some of that money aside. Don't go out and drink so much. You know, put some of that money aside because, unfortunately. There's not a lot left for for us as, as professional skydivers.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's not a whole lot of direction to go. There really isn't. But, I mean, again, those people that are the hardcore, somebody like Omar or somebody like you or even me that uh, had the opportunity to leave the sport and go to a different life. I mean, I quit an airline that I was supposed to be upgrading to captain to to come back to flying skydivers because fuck the airlines. It's just not my thing. You also had a good gig, though. You had a good gig lined up. Sure. yo, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you're
0: definitely not flying airlines now, not with those sleeves. Man,
1: <laughs> that's exactly why I fucking got the. Well, you remember, man. I went... I, uh, I, I intentionally went... What's the one thing I, I... I never ever wanted to go back to a, an airline... I'm going to get that sleeve tattoo I was always thinking of.
0: I mean, you, technically, you could still cover it up, but...
1: Well, actually, now I think airlines cannot... Uh, keep you from uh, keep from employing you you just have to cover them up
0: I mean you could say you're a girl and they, they, could still, they still have to employ you yeah Zim's or so, whatever yeah. yeah yeah yeah. do you think
1: so how do people track you how do they follow you how do they find out what the fuck's going on how do they find out this mystery consulting gig that's eventually
0: coming so once uh, once everything Tell happens the camera. once everything happens in the future um, easiest way to, to track me is david underscore ludvick um, at David underscore Ludwig for Instagram. Uh, David dot com uh, is my website, which is still kind of uh, in the development stages under under maintenance kind of right now. But um, you've been re- under maintenance for a while, hasn't it? Well, I think the dog just ate something. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. No, nope, the dog just ate. No, whatever. no. She just unplugged you. Oh, she you, unplugged yeah, me. OK, that's fine. So <laughs> Go, bad on. dog. Bad dog. Um. Keep going. So yeah, so David underscore, at David_Ludvik for Instagram, uh, David Um I'm on Facebook, uh, David Ludvik, in Junior in quotations is the easiest way to track me. What's kind of going on, um, and we'll see what happens cool. coming up in the future. I mean, it's my life's taken a different turn from what from what it was before. But they you never, you never know. You never know what happens. If uh, the health gets back to to 100%, then you know you may see me in a, on a swoop pond or. Hey, dude, I'll God tell you what, what's gonna happen, it you know? wouldn't
1: be the first time we've seen a comeback. I mean,
0: I just had Nick Batch on, and holy fuck, what a story. Yeah, man. Uh, Nick's been a, a long friend, long-time friend, friend, and um, I was rooting him on when he, when I found out he was going to the competition. I was Nicole and I were, were sending him messages like, you know, you can do this, kick ass, don't let those those young guys, you know, take advantage of you, you know, show what you can do, and he was, you know, responding back the entire the entire U.S. Nationals, and man, he I mean he came back and he he, now won, he's a he fucking won the champion whole thing again. So, um, shout out to you, Nick. Uh, great job, um, and just you know, for everybody that's doing it at, at our age, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Oh, I think age is all for the most age, part. Age is in your mind. I'm I'm a lot stiffer than I used to be when I
0: was younger, but I still think I'm 18. I mean, my my I definitely my body hurts every day, but you yeah.
1: know, hey, fair enough.
0: You know, I mean, I'm gonna what do I do? Do I stop doing what I'm doing? Nah, man. It's the price you pay. Yeah. So, so I mean, I found I found new sports now. <laughs> I, I do more stuff as well. You know, I'm I'm kiteboarding and nice and doing doing other shit too. We need to, to start do doing yoga life. like we used to. We <sighs> I my wife will tell you 100%. She she tries and I'm sorry, Nicole. Um, you know, my, my wife said Nicole went and got her yoga instructor rating. She's she's a yoga teacher and and she it's difficult for her to yeah, get yeah, but the it's the mat. it's different when it's your wife or your no, family. I mean, she she tries to like to To make these plans that that go towards like where I'm, she's like, "Where are you in pain today? Like my back, my neck, my shoulder." She's like, "Okay, we're gonna do some stuff to work on that." And I'm just, I'm a, I'm a terrible fucking student. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I have no doubt. But <laughs> most teachers generally are. Yep, dude. First video podcast.
0: First video podcast. Cheers! Thanks for having me Hopefully on again. I don't
1: lose too many people from that one.
0: <laughs> I mean, it went really well. It went, it went well. We didn't fuck it up. Not, not too bad. I mean, the dog unplugged my mic. That's okay. She, and farted. She farted. Oh, we think. Yeah, I'm looking we at think. you. Yeah
1: lunatic fringe into the void you're obviously watching this on youtube you can also follow me on instagram the lunatic fringe podcast it's on facebook uh lunatic fringe into the void um yeah tell everybody please hit the like button hit the subscribe button i'm going to try and do these video ones as often as possible but i am also going to be putting up kick-ass videos from all the guests that i have that means fuckers like this guy right here are (laughs) going to send me stop procrastinating all the amazing shit that they've been doing so that i can and steal the credit for their accomplishments. That's what I'm after. All right. Nah, we're just trying to share the love. So, again, hit the like and subscribe button. Thank you for joining. We'll see you next time on Lunatic Fringe. See you next time. See ya. Cheers. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you, as always, by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com by Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had as well as new and upcoming interviews on video as always i am the fucking pilot head to the fucking pilot.net or the princess thanks for joining we'll see you next time around